This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to episode 96 of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, and I've been putting off recording this podcast episode because I'm about to share with you a story that is just excruciating. And I don't know, you guys might listen to it and and be like, that wasn't that bad. But I I don't know. I told Amy, Amy's my best friend. I told her about it. She was like, it's pretty bad. So I knew I had to come and tell you all about it. I'll I'll get to more of that later. But first, I have a couple of announcements, important ones. So don't skip through this, please. The first one, if you didn't see the email that came through on Friday, you might not be a subscriber. You might just subscribe to the podcast or you might have just landed on this podcast and it's your first time listening to this. If so, welcome. Welcome. But if you did not get the email on Friday, then you might not know. We have a brand new website over at yourkickasslife.com. It's not, I mean, it's it's like a little bit of a spruce up. I just feel like you know, I turned 41 last week. Your Kick-Ass Life is evolving and growing, and it was time for a little facelift, if you want to call it that. And this has been, oh my gosh, more than a year in the making. It's a long story with designers that fell off the face of the earth and new designers that had other stuff going on, and it just, it was a very long process. But it's done. It's finally done. We have given birth and she's alive. Yourkickasslife.com. So we're going to do a giveaway in celebration. And really, it's it's easy. In order to win some prizes, I'm giving away a signed copy of my book, a five-minute journal, which is amazing, uh, sponsors of the of yourkickasslife.com. Five-minute journal, mantra band, these awesome little bracelets that say really amazing inspirational things on them. And also knock, knock journal. I think the knock, knock journals that I'm giving away are the ones called I'm awesome. They're just really cool. So there's pictures and links at the show notes, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 96 on all of the, uh, how to enter the giveaway. So just real quick, the giveaway is from now until the 29th of April, 2016 depending on when you're listening to this. So it ends on the 29th. If you want to enter, just go to the show notes, yourkickasslife.com forward slash nine to six. And also we have a new free ebook and audio. If you're a subscriber already, in other words, if you get my emails on a regular basis, that was in an email that got sent to you on the 22nd. And it's also in the show notes for this episode, but it's in your, not on the website, it's on in your inbox. So if you can't find it, if you still can't find it, the ebook, by the way, is why the shit talking in your head is making you crazy and three ways to change it. And it also comes in audio format. I feel like I'm not totally on my game today. Can you guys tell? It's because I'm nervous to tell this story. I'm going to be totally honest with you. (laughs) That's how bad it is. Oh God. Okay. I know the anticipation is probably killing you. So if you are not a subscriber, you can get the goods, you can enter the contest, you can get the free ebook and audio version. It's kind of kind of amazing, if I do say so myself. Just go to yourkickasslife.com 
and sign up and you will get it immediately. And if you're already a subscriber and you can't find the damn thing, you can just sign up again. You won't be like, you know, on the mailing list twice. You shouldn't get more than one email every week, but you can get the the ebook and the audio. So like I said, I had something else planned for today. I had a different episode that I was going to air for you guys. But this thing happened and I decided I decided to share it with you for a re- for a few reasons. The first one being is that when it happened, I was walking to my car in the parking lot afterwards and I was like, I am not going to share this with my listeners. <laughs> I'm not telling anyone besides my close circle what happened. Uh, Amy thought it was hilarious, but I I swore I wasn't going to share it with y'all because it was so humiliating. But when I think about it, you know, and I, I got to thinking and I was like, okay, this is my edge. I've run up against it. And I always know that when that happens, it's something for me to not just think about and work through, but to then share it with you when I am through it. And I I am through it. It's still like hard for me to tell the story, but I'm not like about it like I was a couple of weeks ago. The second reason that I knew I had to share it with you is because everybody has these moments. Like every single one of you listening has moments that I'm like about to share with you. And I teach courage and kickassery and I teach from my own experience. So if I can't tell you my failures and how I get back up, then what good is it? You know, it's sort of like it's like just a wasted lesson. And again, of course, I told the story to Amy and she laughed so hard. She had tears streaming down her face. She couldn't even talk. She was she was laughing so hard. And I was kind of like, we well, know she laughed that hard. <laughs> so hopefully you can both cringe and laugh with me. And trust me when I tell you, I was not laughing when it happened. I wanted the floor to open up, but I laughed when I, when I told her later that day. So uh, let's get started with the story. So I found out weeks ago, this was probably maybe like in February, that Rob Bell was coming to Durham, North Carolina, to speak. And if you don't know who Rob Bell is, he's actually a minister, kind of like gone rogue. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'm describing that very well, but... I really love his take on on spirituality and especially on Christianity as I grew up a Christian going to church and now have kind of moved away from that a little bit. I'm not going to get into that too much, but I really love what he teaches and I love his his books and he had a new book coming out and he was going on this book tour where he was going to gather a bunch of people and sort of speak at an all-day event. And it was a kind of small and intimate and I really just – felt that pull in my stomach when I saw that tickets went on sale and I was like, I've got to go. So I bought a ticket and I was going to go by myself. And it was funny. I was talking to a client, I think it was, and I was telling her that I was going and she was like, you're going to go by yourself? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I thought to myself, like, that must be kind of strange for some people. But I'm definitely at a point in my life now where it's like, if I want to go do something and no one wants to come with me, I'm going to go anyway. And yeah, definitely there was a time in my life where I would have passed on it because, you know, I didn't have a sidekick uh, or a wing woman, but no, I it was no big deal to me at all to go by myself. I, you know, my mom jokes, I can make friends with the devil himself. So I went and sat by some, some cool people and was talking to some people. And then they, it was time to break for lunch. And I thought, well, Maybe if like any of these people that sit near me aren't going to lunch with anybody, then I'll see if they want to have lunch with me. And 
there was one guy that I was sitting next to and, you know, I kind of like turned to face him and he was like, see you after lunch. And I was like, okay, <laughs> bye. So I was walking out down the stairs and I was, I was on my phone kind of looking for a place to eat. And I look over to my right and there's a woman standing by herself walking down the stairs as well. And she looked like she was like my age and she was definitely by herself and she's kind of looking around. And I had said to her, hi, I'm Andrea. Are you by yourself? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, do you want to have lunch with me? She goes, okay. So that was probably the best part of my day. And I met Tracy. Hi, Tracy, for listening. And we had a really great lunch together and really hit it off and had lots of things in common. So that was that was the good part. That was not the embarrassing part. But I just wanted to point that out because that took courage. I didn't know if she was going to say yes. She could have been like, yeah, I'm waiting for my husband or waiting for my girlfriend. She's in the bathroom. We're going to go have lunch together. And I'm like, okay. You know, like I could have been rejected or she could have thought I was a little bit nutso and said no, just outright. Could have happened. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I decided to, on a whim, ask someone to lunch and she said yes. So that part was good. That part was awesome. Tracy was awesome. And when we went back to the um it was sort of at at a it was that kind of like it was called the Rick House in Durham, North Carolina. And it was sort of like um like a brewery or like a winery, you know, like beautiful wood floors and it's a big open space. It was really pretty. And Rob had said that, you know, he's like, lunch is this long. If you want me to sign your book and take a picture with me, come back a little bit early and I'll be doing that. So I was like, okay, cool. So I had two books that I wanted him to sign. So we come back. And we, me and Tracy came back really early because, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we were there in time for – to take a picture and get our book signed. And, you know, of course, like, meanwhile, I'm like and, – and by the way, you guys, like, Rob Bell is amazing in person. He's very tall. He's much taller than I thought he was going to be. And he's funny. He's so funny. I listened to his podcast and – He's way funnier in person speaking than he is on his podcast. And so he was just witty and he was like had all this banter with people and I can have good banter. Like I find that I think that I'm funny sometimes. So I was like, me and Rob Bell are going to be friends. You know, have you guys ever done that? Like I just was imagining, you know, and he's gone on tour with like Oprah and Elizabeth Gilbert. Like his squad is, you know, the big league. And so I make up this like little fantasy that we're going to have and, and I'm, 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 actually joking. I did not think that we were going to like run off and be friends and him and his wife, Kristen, were going to invite me and Jason over. No, I, but I did think that, you know, we could have like some jokes and some witty banter and like laugh and, and that would be it. Um, that's actually not how it happened. So just warming you up. If you are kind of like seeing where this is going, we're standing there and I'm kind of like over by it. They had this banquet table set up where he had all of his books and I had bought and I had one of his books and I bought an additional one there. And the guy that was working, there was a couple people working the, that little table. And there was one guy who was kind of struggling with the, the iPad and the square reader and he got it to work like fairly quickly and he was just really nice. And, and so I was talking to him and we were joking about stuff. And so as I finished up buying my book, Rob comes back in. So he's standing there and he says something to the other girl working. He's standing like right next to me. And he says something to the other girl working at the table. And I don't even know what – he was just like making sure things were okay, I think. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, like Rob Bell is like unattended. You know, like there's nobody else around really. So I, I have this like open window to talk to him. And I, I kind of wanted to – I, I was trying to like – I'm like, what could I say that was like casual conversation instead of like gushing about how much I love his podcast, which I'm like – I figured like that's what everyone says, you know? And and so I'm like 
the customer service here is excellent. <laughs> oh my God. And he turns to me and he goes, great. Like all awkward. <laughs> and then we both kind of just like stood there like nodding. And then he was like, okay, great. And he like walks around me and walks away. I was like, what the fuck was that, Andrea? Like, could you have not have come up with anything better to say? Like, the customer service here is great. Like, oh my God. I was like, I just wasted 10 seconds of Rob Bell's life. This is, that was, that was really bad. Like, luckily no one was around to witness it. It's like strike one. So Rob Bell thinks I'm like, oh God, who's this weird lady? It clearly didn't land. It was awkward and... Oh, I also felt bad that I I hadn't completely read any of his books. Like I read bits and pieces of the latest one. And like here here's the lesson, you guys. What I should have blurted out was actually what I was feeling, which was I'm really excited to be here right now. I don't know anyone here and I don't know what to say, but thank you for being you and gathering all these really awesome people together. Like that would have been better. That would have been authentic instead of the customer service here is really great. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Then we all kind of like form a line. And I was like, all right, maybe I can redeem myself. He's signing, he's signing books and, you know, and I'm thinking like, well, what should I say to him? You know, I'm going to have like another 10 to 20 seconds while he's signing my book and we're taking a picture to, to tell him something meaningful. And so I'm thinking back on, like, what are some of my favorite podcast episodes of his? And I've had a lot. And one, well, two of them, one was Pete Rollins, who talked about, he just was, is this amazing Irish philosopher. And then another one was Ryan Kessler, who talked about death, grief, and dying, which actually was what prompted me to get our guest on last week when I had Martha on about that same topic. And so I'm like, okay, I'll tell him that those were my favorite and they helped me through some stuff. So I go up and I said, oh, I really loved, loved your podcast episodes with Ryan Kessler and, and Pete Rollins. You know, they were probably two of my favorite. Da, da, da. And he goes, oh, good. I'll keep having more guests on then. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I just, I'm talking to Rob Bell, someone I'm a huge fan of and telling him how much I like his friends. <laughs> I mean, should I have just said like, yeah, you're cool, but I really like your friends. You're all right. And I was, I mean, I was just coming off the heels. I mean, not even five minutes. I was just coming off the heels of the customer service here is really great comment. So that just probably felt worse than it really was. But at that point, I had sealed the deal that Rob Bell was not going to be inviting me over for dinner with him and Oprah. We were not even going to have any like witty, funny jokes to share. We just know it was wah, wah. And I, I wish I could say that that was it and my humiliation was over, but it gets worse. It gets so much worse. Okay. <laughs> the way that he had it set up was he was going to talk about different parts of his book and then open it up for questions. And the questions that he was answering, that people were asking, were not necessarily from his book or even like what we were just talking about. Sometimes they were, but people were asking all kinds of questions. So um, I didn't really have any questions, but he was, we all sat, we all sat back down. Like after he, he got, it was after lunch and he had gotten through the people to take pictures and sign books and everybody's sitting back down. And he didn't, he didn't launch into a, a mini lecture. He, he goes, all right, where should we start? 
And I wanted to have him speak about the topic around shame in um, in religion and people like moving out of that from from being in, you know, like these kind of conservative uh, upbringings. And so what I did was, okay, let me let me kind of like set the stage for you as far as like how we were seated. They, they had it set up where the chairs went in a complete circle around him. So he was in the center and there were four rows back all the way in one big circle. So he was, and I was in the second row. So he was only, I don't know, maybe like eight feet away from me in the middle. And he says, all right, where do you want to start? And I I assumed that he wanted people to like shout out answers. And at the same exact moment, so he's, I'm like in his peripheral at this point. So he's like, I'm like right to his side. So at the same exact moment, he's looking at somebody and pointing to somebody that had raised their hand. I shout out. And if you guys know me, like I can be loud. Like I've got some lungs on me and I shout out. I don't even raise my hand. Like I just, I thought he wanted like people to like shout out topics to talk about. Like what do we got over here? Like who's from Greensboro? Who's from Charlotte? Who's from Durham? No, apparently he wanted people to raise their hand so he could call on them. So at the exact moment he is pointing to someone to call on them, I shout out as loud as possible, shame! (laughs) As loud as I could. Oh my God. And he looked over at me like uh, he was startled. Like that's how loud it was. And like, that's how like shocking it was. Like just, he was like, he like jumped like, whoa, what was that? And then, like, continued to point at the other girl as she asked, like, a completely appropriate question, which he then continued to answer. And then there was, like, as soon as I yelled it, there was, like, this kind of collective, uncomfortable chuckle around me. And I wanted to die. And, like, I I was so hoping later on he'd be, like, he'd, like, circle back and be, like, all right, who was the crazy lady that shouted out shame? What was your question? No, he did not. He completely ignored me. (laughs) I wanted to make myself so small. Like, out of all the things to shout out, like, I I could have shouted out, I don't know, like, peace, Um, like, uh, social change, (laughs) common love and humanity, you know, like, anything else. But I fucking yell out shame. Like, what was I thinking? Oh, my God. It was so bad. And so I just, like, crossed my legs and my arms and, like, pulled my hair in front of my face and just tried to make myself as small as possible. And, like, we were crunched in together. Like, the like they had the chairs butted up. So I'm, like, sitting next to two strangers and I just, <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted the floor to open up. And take me. And I even considered getting on my hands and knees and like crawling underneath people's feet and just like excusing myself out of there. It was, it was, it was something. It was something. Here's the thing. When it happened, like again, there was like those few first few minutes where I sat there and wanted the floor to just open up. Yeah. I knew I was in it. I knew I was in it. So that was kind of the beauty of it. I mean, if this had been like several years ago, I I can probably guarantee you I would have left. I would have got up and left. I would not have stuck around. I just would have been like, this is too excruciating. So what I did was I just kept telling myself like that just happened. That 
just happened. That was bad. That was really, really bad. Over and over again, that just happened. That just happened. That sucked. That really was terrible. So I'm going to tell you what I didn't do, which I didn't even realize this until I was leaving and I got in the car. I didn't totally beat myself up. I didn't tell myself that I was stupid. I didn't tell myself that I never should have come. I didn't tell myself that I I never should do something like this because I always make these kinds of mistakes. Again, I didn't leave. That was a huge win because I think that everybody has made, I mean, maybe not three in a row like that. I mean, that was that was like a trifecta. But like everyone's had those moments, like when they shout out the wrong thing, like everybody like turns and looks and is like, what? I mean, that was, it was, it was a quick moment. That was a quick moment of shame. It's like that feeling of being not like the others, you know, it's like, what's going on with this lady? I I was, I was also like really hoping that he would like help me out and like try to make a joke of it or, you know, like again, like circle back and he never did. So, and I'm not saying that like he's a jerk, like I'm still a huge fan of his, but I think that like that would have helped and he didn't. So it was, it was, I felt really, really excluded. And for a few moments, I did feel like, oh my God, you are so dumb. You are really dumb for real to myself. But it just, it was, it was really, really quick. And I think that like that is doing the work. And so that is to me a huge win, a really, really huge win. And so for any of you that have taken any of my classes or worked with me or even just listen to the podcast and my book and, and read, you know, go read the new ebook and audio that I told you about in the beginning of the podcast. It's like, that's doing the work. That's like working on that inner critic. And that's also in the deep end of the pool, that is shame work. Because again, we all have those moments. And for me, it's about knowing that everybody does. Everybody has these moments. It's like knowing that that I'm going to be okay. It's, it's It totally did suck. And I can't take that back. But it's going to be okay. And, you know, I just want to make a, like a point too. It's like, I am pretty uncool in real life. <laughs> Oh God. Like I watched people have like one-on-one conversations with him, you know, when they were having them sign his, or he was signing their books and they were laughing and, and, you know, they were probably telling him stories about their own life. And like, that wasn't the case with me. And like, that made me feel really sad. Like I wanted that. It didn't happen, but I made some mistakes. I could have handled myself differently, but I know I'm human. I messed up. And I know that every person in there, there was about 150 people there, Rob Bell included, all of you listening have had those moments that I had, but I didn't make it mean that I'm stupid. I didn't make it mean that I'm an idiot, that I never should have put myself out there. It still feels really yucky, but now more funny than yucky. It's just like a side of shame, like a little tiny side and just mostly embarrassment. And uh, definitely, oh, and by the way, if you guys want to see a picture of me and Rob Bell. It was actually right before I shouted shame. It's in the show notes, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 96. And you can see that. And just a quick mention of another podcast episode that I've done recently, episode 92, where it's a whole episode on like how to handle your inner mean girl. Because my inner mean girl could have gone crazy. Great. That, that is like a cesspool for inner critic. So yourkickasslife.com forward slash 96. If you want to listen to a podcast, podcast just on there. And I I wanted to, I'm not just going to talk about that story here on the podcast, but I wanted to talk to you about a couple other things that are happening over here that are, that are making me use my tools. 
I've been reaching out to some some heavy hitters to be here on the podcast. Um, people like uh, Cheryl Strayed, Elizabeth Gilbert, Janine Roth, uh, and some more. And there's there's been quite a few. And some of them are saying no. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some of them are just like their PR people just like ignoring ignore me. <laughs> they don't even respond. And even before I sent some of the emails, I th- I said I thought these people are probably going to say no. And I know some of my self help people are like, if you think that you're going to manifest it, and it's like, well, let's like let's be realistic. I think you know, I I do I do get it. You know, it's a fairly popular podcast. Thank you for my ask kickers for listening and telling your friends about it. But you know, I don't I don't get a million downloads like per episode like Tim Ferriss and some of those other guys. So, but I do know this. This is what made me send the emails. If you never ask, the answer will always be no. And that's what I think to myself. You know, every time I need to reach out to somebody, whether it's a colleague or my husband or Elizabeth Gilbert or Rob Bell or whomever, if I don't ask, the answer will always, always, always be no. And so really like the theme of this podcast and what I want you to take away is, I mean, besides feeling sorry for me, but what I want you to take away is that how do you get back up after falling down? And this is this is a very short, condensed version of that. And um, the book Rising Strong is definitely excellent resource on that. Um, Brene Brown, it's her latest book. So go out and pick that up if you haven't read it yet. I, I do actually encourage you to read Daring Greatly of hers before you read Rising Strong, but you don't have to. But it goes into much more detail and gives more tools on that. So this is just my experience and my take on it and how how I do it in my life. And, and again, a lot of it is about doing the work, is walking the talk. And so I want, what I wanted to end with is – how how I got back up and learned to love and trust again after two back-to-back relationships where I was betrayed and lied to and cheated on. So just a quick background for those of you that are new to me and the podcast and, and don't know my, my story is that I was married. I got married when I was 28. Uh, so gosh, when was that? That was in 2003 to my first husband. We'd been together for about... 11 years at that point, I think. And we were planning on conceiving our first child and having that discussion and planning it all out. And he had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant and was in love with her and divorced me. And it was, it was really ugly. The whole story was, was really bad and and dramatic and traumatic as well. And then about five minutes later, I got into a, a relationship with someone whom I thought was Mr. Right. It was, it was very bad. He ended up being a drug addict and I thought he had cancer because he had told me he had cancer and was lying to cover up his drug addiction. And I left that relationship really, I hate using this word, but like, I really have no other word for it. And, and to be perfectly honest, I felt broken. Like I felt like I was completely broken and thought that's it. Like I will never love again. I will never allow someone else to have my heart in their hands. It's just, it's not worth it. This pain feels like something I had never experienced that kind of suffering before. And so I was determined. I was totally hellbent that I would never trust anyone again. I would never even, I would never trust not, not even just like an intimate partner, like my friendships. I'm like, no, see what happens when you put yourself out there and you, and you, trust someone with your heart and the way I call it, like the ultimate vulnerability and like the ultimate trust is like, not just like letting someone 
have your heart in their hands, but it's like letting them have your heart in their teeth. Like metaphorically, that to me is it. That is like the ultimate trust of to trust someone. So I built those walls up. I set heavy boundaries. And I, I really thought I was being smart about it. I thought I was being healthy in protecting myself. And to be like completely transparent, when I got married, <clears throat> when I married Jason in got married in 2008, I still had those walls up. And I thought that that was a reasonable way to enter a marriage. And I don't even think I was completely aware of the boundaries that I had set. But I, I remember telling several people, including him, like, I don't, I don't think that I actually need you. Like, I would be fine if you left, just so you know. <laughs> I'm going to be okay because I wasn't letting him in. Like that part I left out. Like it was just because like, I don't worry. I won't let you in enough to where it would hurt that bad if you left. Like I, I, I do love you. Like I really, really care about you. You're awesome. But like I'm going to keep you at like a very long arm's distance so you cannot hurt me. So like at that same time, I mean in 08, that was when I was I was finishing up coach training and going, uh, you know, I was, I was, pretty well into my own personal development journey. And I had, I had gone back to therapy, thank God. And my therapist is the one that pointed it out, who was like, Andrea, you don't, you don't know what true intimacy is. You know, you're not letting Jason in. You're not trusting people ever because of what happened. And I was like, well, you suck for pointing that out. And, but I, I do, I, I credit her for showing me that I was completely shutting people out. You know, I was shutting out my husband. I was shutting out my best friend, Amy. and. I know that the last eight years, now we're in 2016, and it's been it's been a continuous – my point is that it's been a continuous effort of healing old wounds because, you know, I've been licking those wounds that happened in 2005, 2006 throughout this whole process. And for me, it's about knowing that they will remain scars and they will never be completely – that fracture will never be completely sealed and healed and there will be no no remnants of it ever happening, like it, like it didn't ever occur. Like that's what scars are. And I can choose whether or not I'm going to let that mean something. So what I mean by that is, you know, for a while there, years ago, I would get triggered and something would happen and I would be – kind of like blindsided by old wounds and old pain. And I'd be angry. I'd be angry at the people that hurt me years ago. I'd be angry at myself that it was still coming up and I was making it mean something. It, it meant that I, it was, I was dishonoring my marriage and I'd go into like these tailspins. So for me, it's been just acknowledging that the pain still comes up sometimes, acknowledging triggers and being really compassionate with myself and knowing that it's okay and it doesn't have to mean anything. It's just about honoring the process. And I mean, just the other night, this was like literally just the other night, I found myself so triggered. In both of those relationships before, my ex-husband and the boyfriend I had right after, I found out the truth about what was happening by snooping. So I had I had heavy suspicions. I had heavy suspicions that something was going on. And with my first husband, it was logging into 
um, his account, he was going back to college and I was, I logged in cause I was, I was suspecting that he wasn't actually going to school and sure enough, he had dropped all of his classes, but was like still pretending to go to school, like backpack and everything, textbooks and everything, homework out and everything and was lying. And he was going to see his girlfriend. And then with my, the second relationship, I hacked into his email and found that he, it was just all kinds of stuff. I mean, that story, you guys, it would take me like three podcast episodes to tell you the whole, everything from he had made up email accounts from doctors so he could like send himself emails from doctors talking about his cancer plans and like the medication that he needed, which was actually really just opiates. And also from finding emails from women that he was dating while he was dating me and, you know, having relationships with. So needless to say, like that is a huge trigger in me. So the other night, my for some reason, my laptop, I cannot get it to connect to the Wi-Fi for the printer. So I have to use my husband's laptop and he's fine. You know, it's like I have his password. It's not a big deal. So I'm, I'm in, in my office and the door was open to my office and I could hear him like helping the kids get ready for for bed and I have his laptop open and I needed to log into my email to print something from his laptop. And so we both use Gmail. And so when I clicked on Gmail, his email came up. And you know when you, you know when your stomach drops and your heart is like pounding so hard that you can hear the roar in your ears? Have you ever had that happen to you? Like it doesn't happen to me that often. But that ha- it happened and it was like this physiological response and all it was was like the the window opening on the laptop and seeing his email in front of me. There wasn't even anything there for me to see that was bad. But it was just that moment of like having it come up and my body like just physically like went berserk, just just roaring in my ears of like the pounding of my heart and like my stomach totally dropped. And so you know, I, I found myself in the same position I'd been in two relationships before. And so what happened was in like within, I mean, this, this could not have been more than like 30 seconds. That's even like giving it more time than it probably was. But I was imagining, I started to quickly imagine what it would look like if I found something, like if I found emails from another woman, if I found something that, that was bad enough to split us up. And then I was like, thinking, okay, well then we would get divorced and we'd have to tell our kids and like the whole, all of it. Like I totally rehearsed tra- tragedy. I rehearsed tragedy for two reasons. I did it because obviously that's a trigger for me. That being in that position of seeing his email, that was a huge trigger for me. So that was a time where I had to like stop, be compassionate with myself. Like it's okay. <laughs> You're safe. It's all right. But just knowing, just acknowledging that it's still like a trigger and it might be for more years to come. And it's like, you know, this is what I'm still talk about in therapy and that we talk about together and that I don't make him wrong for it. And I don't, I make a very conscious effort not to punish him for the sins of my exes. But also I catastrophized and rehearsed tragedy. By the way, this is a chapter in my new book that I'm writing, but because joy is hard. Like my husband is awesome. Like he really, truly, I'm going to start to cry if I talk about it too much, but he is incredible. He truly, truly is an incredible human. And my kids are rad. Like my life is great. And it's also hard and messy. And I make an ass out of myself at Rob Bell events and it's beautiful. And all of it is vulnerable and like feeling my way through it, like emoting my way through it is hard. Like I know what disaster looks like. I know what 
betrayal feels like. Those moments are visceral and real, and I use them now to alert me to lean into joy, to lean into love. And that's hard because I know it could all get taken away at any second, but I can choose to obsess on that or I can choose to see it when it happens in those 30-second increments, acknowledge it, and choose love and joy instead. And you know what I came to realize that night when that happened, when you know I saw my husband's email, it was all really boring emails too, by the way. But when when that happened, I thought to my, I was thinking about everything I just said, and I was thinking about, I was just acknowledging, like, well, I'm I'm rehearsing tragedy right now. That's exactly what I'm doing, because leaning into all the awesomeness of it is really hard. But for me, rehearsing tragedy is just me being lazy. Because it's so easy to do that. Like in some weird way, rehearsing tragedy feels safe. And it's hard to surrender to joy again, because it could get that could get taken away and that's going to be painful. But it's just about self-compassion and knowing when it happens. Guys, the win isn't about making it go away altogether. The win isn't getting to a place where you never rehearse tragedy. The win isn't getting to a place where you never make an ass out of yourself at Rob Bellevance. Or, you know, like always get yeses from people that you want to interview. It's about being really compassionate yourself when that when it happens and knowing when you're in the shit. Like when you're in a place of beating yourself up over making an ass out of yourself. Or if you're not going to reach out, if you decide not to reach out to anybody because it's safer. Or when you're rehearsing tragedy. That's the win. Is knowing when you're 30 seconds in versus 30 days in or 30 years in. Because I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be 30 years in and going, you know what? That feels like shit. I don't want to do that anymore. That's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you weren't as uncomfortable listening to it as I was telling it. And I love and adore all of you ass kickers. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.